Good evening. You are listening to a Rattledge and Broadcasting Premier Podcast TV party tonight. I'm your host, me, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And our favorite show tonight is The Wonderful World of Mickey Mouse, Season 1, Part 2, or Season 1B, or More 10 Shorts, or who pays attention to this stuff other than people who podcast. Joining, <laughs> joining me to discuss this next set of shorts, as she did with the first 10, from Honeysuckle Rose Creations, the master of all things four-legged and animated, Alexis Haina, how do you do, madam? I love the minute you said it. His ears perked up, and she came into frame <laughs> with her what remains of her favorite toy. This was that came from a toy that looks like a piece sort of, like, of. Flo- like like flooring or something. Uh. I think it was actually like a, uh, oh yeah, this was a silicone uh, lighting diffuser from my old photography kit that I no longer use. I was so hoping you were going to say this came from silicone breasts because that would have derailed the (laughs) podcast and I would have needed an hour to discuss how you got silicone breasts. To play for dogs to play with, but no, that's not what that is. Yeah, no. Um, I was selling some old photography equipment, including mm-hmm. a lighting diffuser, and she kept stealing it out of the office. Nice. And finally, and we just kind of realized, like, we're not going to get any money for this thing on eBay anyway, so she might as well have it. And yeah, she has shredded it into little itty bitty pieces, but it's stretchy and chewy, and she loves it. And it's freaking nine o'clock in the morning and I'm running on two and a, two hours of sleep. How are you like this right now, young lady? So are you on TikTok at all? Touch old for that. Okay. Um, first of all, I've been on TikTok. No, you're not. Um, <laughs> um, a touch old is dead and a touch young are infants. But even they're on there, just not by their own volition. In any case, there's a TikTok trend um, of... Uh, I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> Never mind. Moving on. Um, there was something. There was something you just said, and it triggered like a TikTok thing that I saw, and I completely <laughs> lost it. But I will say this: I was, I was, you know, you're, we were talking before the show started about misbehaving dogs and all of that, and you know, like you never see my dog come on camera. No, m- what my dog likes to do, and and because, like I said, this isn't a camera issue, so you never see it, is if you're sitting on the couch, she's all up in your grill. She's like right here. For those of you just listening to the podcast going, are they ever going to talk about Mickey Mouse? My dog has to be giving you affection all the time if you were mm-hmm. sitting. If you're doing anything else, she's like, harumph. And she goes and she goes, you know, finds another place in the house to be. But she's like, if you're sitting on the couch watching TV, hi there. <laughs> tongue in eyes, in the nose, in your mouth. Just There's a reason why her name is Sugar. Uh, we so also yeah. Call- we also call her the rapist, but that's a, that's a, that's another issue. This one wakes me up every morning when she needs to go out. First, she starts kissing my hand, and if I don't respond to that, she climbs on my chest and starts kissing my face. <laughs> and she will not stop until I am, like, literally up. It's not like, okay, I'm awake, and then she stops. She's like, no, I know that you could go back to sleep. Cleo, you're <laughs> pulling out right. the mic cord. Well, well, Alexis wrestles with her dog in her mic cord. So, yes, uh, we did the first 10 episodes of uh, The Wonderful World of Mickey Mouse in January um, after the first episode 
debuted November 18th. The finale for the first 10 was December 18th. We reviewed it um, in the beginning of January. This next set of 10, um, and it's kind of like with Looney Tunes where they're they're not releasing full seasons all at once. They're breaking them up in, in bits. So this is the second half of season one. First episode uh, debuted July 28th. And then uh, the finale was August 25th. Um, I think it's been renewed. I'm not really sure just yet. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. It, it, the trend seems to be everything is getting renewed all the time. The only one that ever seems to cancel anything is Netflix. But everything else is like, if anyone watched this, we're going to do more of it. Uh, since it's you know the infinite shelf of uh, digital media. But I do have a question before we get into, we start breaking these episodes down one by one. You and I enjoyed the first set of Mickey Mouse cartoons. Um, they were different than I think the traditional uh, shorts that preceded movies back in the days of yore and you know were then re-aired in syndication on television. Mickey Mouse is presented differently. But generally generally speaking outside, you know, other than our like uh, criticisms of the Looney Tunes and how differently Bugs Bunny is presented. We thought they were the Mickey Mouse ones were fairly consistent. I think the only complaint we had is sometimes these get a little gross and these get these these start to like dovetail into horror almost. And we're like, but why? Well, it's not as bad as Street Gum and Wear Me, Doc. No, not not by a long shot. But that that seemed to be the overall trend in animation that we've gone through over the over the past year or so. But here's my question: getting finally getting to it. Between sets one through ten and sets eleven through twenty, did Mickey get dumber? Like, I, I noticed this pattern of suddenly Mickey is an oblivious idiot, and I'm like, he was never like this before. Is it just me? I don't think it's so much he got dumber, but we mentioned this in the previous short that or previous previous shorts, previous review. Mickey Mouse and has always been very blank he's a blank mm -hmm. slate you know you have personalities for donald and goofy and such mickey and minnie have always been very blank uh characters for the audience to picture themselves in project onto exactly it's different because this one we're actually getting much more of a personality for mickey maybe a little bit more of a personality for minnie it's kind of mm -hmm. hard to say for her but yeah, Mickey has now also become the one who is getting these shorts sort of more set up. He's mm -hmm. the instigator of the, oh, what wacky adventures are about to happen this time. Mm -hmm. And I think to do that, he needs to be a little more naive because you can't have these goofy adventures happen without somebody saying, hey, you know, what does this button do or some right. shit like that? Yeah, I... I just kind of pre previewing what we're going to say as we go through these. We did enjoy them. Um, you oh, and I very talked, much. You and I talked before we, we set the recorder tonight that of all the things that we've been reviewing of, of late, this has probably been the best. And I know, like, my kids and I laughed hard at this. But I just kept thinking, like, the setup to almost all of these is Mickey can't, you know, <laughs> Mickey can't find his ass in a dark room. And it, and it leads him to misadventure. And I'm like... I, Mickey wasn't an incompetent idiot, you know, in, in any of the shorts that I watched as a kid. So this is this is definitely a different take. But I, I do agree with you that if you don't, if he's too smart, why would he do? Why would any of this stuff happen to him? And then your setups has to be that he's things are just he, he he's just hapless in 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 
and a victim victim of circumstance. And I don't know how fun that would be. I think if he's yeah. dumb and just sort of walking into bear traps, kind of like Goofy, it, it, it's more amusing. Exactly. I mean, it's always been when you have the three of them, something of circumstance happens to Mickey. Donald's temper gets the better of him. Goofy mm. wanders into something because he's an idiot. Yes. So we have to do something else because the, the creators of these shorts have clearly decided that Mickey has a personality. He mm. is much more interactive and he has to do something. It just can't always be Mickey's walking and then, oh no, something happens around him. Right. <laughs> Asteroid. Um, so, uh, real quick, and then we'll, we'll jump into this. Did you watch uh, How to Stay at Home? Did I watch what? The, the goofy shorts, How to Stay at Home. Oh, um, well, I watched, I don't think I've seen that latest one. Uh, I grew up on the goofy shorts, though. The How to right. Dance and How to Ski are always my favorites. Yeah, this is a modern take on that. So it's, I think it was like, I, I it was sort of make, lampooning the pandemic. So it was like how to cook at home, how to do this, how to do that. My son and I watched them, and, and I'll just say, nothing is funnier than the old, like, the old how to do stuff with Goofy. You know, Goofy skiing, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But they tried. I think I think if you have while you're working and you want to have something on in the background, they're worth checking out if you're a big animation person like you are. Oh, absolutely! I mean, the Goofy oh. shorts were always a lot of fun because again, mm -hmm. they let Goofy was a very interesting character when they did that because they were able to push him into kind of an everyman role, mm -hmm. but it was still Goofy. Uh, I think the, my favorite of the recent ones was how to set up your home entertainment center. Yeah, that that was one of the more recent ones, and it was that's that's hysterical. Um, yeah, as we get into episode number one here, I would make a, make a, make a recommendation. It, it, it will take you less than 20 minutes to, to, to get through them. It's worth watching um, for not a lot of time spent on it. All right, House Ghost. Oh, Alexis, we don't have no fun no more. Um, you, uh, We all remember the House Ghost from um, Mickey's Haunted, whatever it was. You probably know It was called that. The Lonesome Ghosts. Yes. And I refuse to believe that The Lonesome Ghosts short of the early days did not play at least a slight role in the inspiration for the Ghostbusters. You have a moment where Goofy is walking around with a net saying, I ain't afraid of no ghosts. It's like, <laughs> yeah, Reitman, we know you watched this short. Well, and no, there's nothing wrong with that. You, ha you have to lay that at the feet of Ray Parker Jr. He, he put that in the song. I don't, I don't, did they actually say I ain't afraid of no ghosts in the movie? Because I feel like that just came from the song. Yeah, that's a good point. Either way, yeah, we get the lonesome, the the trio, the lonesome ghost return. Mm -hmm. We have uh, fun little homages to the skeleton dance and the haunted mansion ride when Mickey opens up the house and he sees the skeletons playing on themselves like the xylophone. You got the floating musical instruments, and you you freaking get a moment where the ghosts are watching TV and the ring girl pops out of the screen. <laughs> Yeah, my kids were like, that. what is this? And I'm like, uh, it's going to take me too long to explain. Yeah, Andre was watching with me, and even he died laughing at that point. So the premise of this short is when several ghosts, the ghosts that we've already mentioned, are left without a home to haunt, Mickey invites them to stay. This was the first indication that Mickey's an idiot because they're ghosts. And, and, and it was, you would almost have to have a complete absence of understanding of how ghosts work to come to the conclusion of, I must house them as they are now transient and we don't want brazilian level poverty like no mickey they're ghosts it's fine let him go he's like no i'm infinitely helpful it's like ugh. 
this is what I mean by like, you know, they really made him dumb. And then it's like, oh no, the ghosts are haunting him, hoisted by his own petard. Who would have thought? Well, part of the uh, is also the development. The, 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 the development. Mickey has always been the very helpful character. He's sure. very kind. I mean, that's Disney. Disney mm-hmm. would want that. And the idea is that Mickey just cannot fathom the idea of these poor ghosts being at home. You know, he's like, "Stay with me until you have a place." I just can't imagine you being without a home. So, <laughs> it was funny. But I, I could not help but deconstruct it. That's just me. Um, and yeah, I enjoyed all the homages and, and references and whatnot. I think that's for adults what makes this even funnier is, you know, the, these are just laden with Easter eggs and references. Oh, yeah. uh, the next one, the Enchanting Hut. Mickey and Minnie struggle to build a shelter after a storm threatens to destroy their island. Um, if I remember correctly, this is the old every time they try to do, every time they take a, a, a step forward, it's two steps back because something is Stopping them, that was the gag over and over again. I do have to ask, I know I just went to Disney World, but obviously there were some rides and attractions that I didn't do. Mm. Was this a bit of the uh, the Enchanted Tiki Hut influence? I believe so. It's It's been a week or so since I've watched these, but I but I remember thinking, oh, this is, they really are incorporating a lot of park stuff in, into these cartoons. Yeah, again, not a bad idea. And mm-hmm. yeah, I was at Disney World for a week, but I did not uh, sit through the Enchanted Tiki Room. So Great place to take a nap, I'm just saying. That was what the Carousel of Progress was for. It, well, I look, it, uh, you have to have nap spots throughout the park. You can't just have them in one spot. See, you have the Carousel of Progress on one end of the park and the Enchanted Tiki Hut on the other. See. See the enchanted tiki room. Is it enchanted tiki room or enchanted tiki hut? I believe it's the enchanted cheeky uh, tiki dental. Cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, whatever. <laughs> cheeky tiki. It's too tiki. early for this kind of discussion. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that was next to the Aladdin's magic carpet ride. Mm. So when I wasn't waiting in line for that ride, I was actually getting the Dole Whip from uh. the uh, ice cream stand that was nearby. They had the Dole Whip that was uh, part pineapple, part strawberry ice cream in pineapple juice. The Dole Whip is quite delicious. My wife usually gets it whenever we get there. I always get a turkey leg. I used to have a turkey leg t-shirt. Turkey leg. Oh, I was like, if I I had to get a Dole Whip, I had to. So, yeah, this one was not just Dole Whip. It was Dole Whip with strawberry ice cream. It was like, must have. So what do you think of the Enchanted Hut? I mean, like I said, I think this was very Looney Tunes-ish. It was... Do a thing, nature knocked it down. Do a thing, nature knocked it down. When we run out of seven minutes, we're done. Uh, very video game based, I noticed. I mean, mm. you even have, I mean, you have the scene where Minnie is trying to lay the, fl- the foundation and the flowers keep jumping on the sand that she's building up. And every time they do, it disappears. And I'm sitting there going, didn't I play a game like that as a kid? <laughs> All right. Uh, next one, duet for two. Mickey and Minnie seek to make everyone happy by playing an adorable duet. Jason Manzukis is a huckster McBackstabber, which is a fantastic name. So- I'm convinced between this and his role on Invincible, mm-hmm. uh, uh resume just basically says, I voice the asshole. Yeah, he was an insane nutbag on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, if I remember correctly. He, that's kind of his thing. Have you heard his podcast, um, How Did This Get Made? I have not. It's pretty good. Um, they, I heard their. I haven't listened to a lot of it, but I listened to the discussion of um, 
the Fast and the Furious. I think they, they specifically were talking about F9. And I, you know, I, I, I sometimes have reservations about how our conversations go. And then I heard them, fan, you know, you know, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, making up their own plot to a Fast and the Furious movie in the middle of their review of F9. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we're fine. People just have fun. Um, and yeah, no, I did really like all the musical homages in this. I mean, we got homages to the Beatles, Daft Punk. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they do show Minnie in her solo costume or her solo performance, I was getting very Katy Perry slash Beyonce mm-hmm. vibes. I so. think I've seen the structure. The, the structure of this is, oh, you know what? You know what I was thinking about? Um, they did a they did a kind of bit with this in like Family Guy with Brian and Stewie, where they were red shirt blue shirt. You know, mm-hmm. they they come together. They're broken apart. They go solo. It doesn't work. They come back together again. But I feel like I've seen that in a few different places. Oh, and this it, is a old old storyline. There was nothing really mm-hmm. new about the story right. arc. What was done for this was to do. First of all, it was the song, which mm-hmm. was admittedly a very very nice song. So whoever the uh, music editor is for these shorts, bravos, very well done. Uh, you know, credit to. Um, uh, the two, our two voice actors who are, mm-hmm. you know, playing Mickey and Minnie, they are amazing singers and they sounded great. But I think, yeah, this was mostly just an excuse to have fun with the different music styles because mm-hmm. when they signed the contract, which I love, it's like, well, we're not in it for the money. We just want to make people smile. Then sign the contract. I get rich and you make people smile. You know, <laughs> that we have them suddenly performing in so many different musical styles. We get a right. Beatles homage. I love the... um 80s techno bit mm-hmm. where they're singing. I, 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 the minute I watched, I was like, and I just found Mark's favorite spot there. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah, hey, I enjoyed this one. Um, we talked about this with Animaniacs that you, you can use cartoons like this to sort of lampoon modern, um, modern culture. And I think that's the kind of way they should be used. And so there was a, you know, Maybe I'm wrong about this. You're more the historian than I am, but it doesn't feel like Disney ever took that tack. That was always more of a Looney Tunes thing, and now they are. And I think they're embracing it, and I think it's for the better. Yeah. Again, there's. I don't think there's anything wrong with a cartoon using a classic trope as long as they mm-hmm. can bring something new and fresh to it. And doing seeing Mickey and Minnie and all these different music styles definitely was the new and fresh part. This is mm-hmm. a story we've seen a million times. The you know, don't lose. Well, I mean, it will, it, actually, there is kind of something to it because Mickey and Minnie, it's usually don't lose sight of what's truly important. Right. And what's truly important is Mickey and Minnie's uh, relationship and how much they love to perform together. But in this time, they do not lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're tricked by uh, Mick, by Huck, Mick, the, Mick Backstabber here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they never really lose that and i thought again i thought that was kind of a creative take on it this never turns into mickey and Minnie suddenly become all about the money and forget right. the reason they started singing together in the first place no they never forget that um what's the bible story where uh um mickey and Minnie did a version of the of this bible story around i Christmas thought you were about time. to say mickey and Minnie in their bible or something <laughs> <No>. <laughs> in the holy no. book of mouse yes <laughs> dearly beloved um <laughs> No, the, it's one of the Christmas specials that they did in CG, and I, um, it's right on the tip of my tongue, 
because my wife pointed it out to me because I didn't realize that it was even a Bible story. But it was one of these deals where they both sell something to get a present for the other, and they realize oh, gift of the magi. The gift of thank you. Like, That's that actually not a Bible story. That's just a classic story. Okay, um, thank you. Uh, but yeah, it, it reminded me of of their idyllic relationship um, in the gift of the magi. Mm-hmm. You know where whatever else happens whatever else is going on in the world they they love each other and i'm i'm glad you know we've remarked with some of these re, you know revamps of, of old cartoons that they lose sight of what made these things appealing to people mm-hmm. and i'm glad they kept that element of mickey and minnie they always love each other exactly i mean again that's the thing is that mickey and minnie regardless of how much of a personality they're actually giving them in these new shorts they are well quit dropping your damn toy <laughs> They always come back to each other. Bird watching. Yeah. When Minnie's quest to photograph an elusive bird places Mickey in danger, she must save him. Okay. So this is another one where I, I was like, when did Mickey Mouse turn into Bugs Bunny and Bugs Bunny turn into Ren and Stimpy? What happened here? True, but this one I think had some of my favorite laughs. First of all, I love that when they're the fact that Minnie's bird watching book is filled with classic Disney characters. She's got a picture mm-hmm. of Donald, <laughs> Madame Upanova from Fantasia, Clara Cluck, the uh, Aracunan bird from the Three Caballeros. She's got a freaking picture in there. I just love the idea. It's like I'm bird watching. Smile, Donald. Click. <laughs> you know, this had some, again. This had some really great jokes. You got Mickey climbing the tree, and he thinks he's at the top. He's like you're halfway there and there's a second tree built into it and i don't know why but there's a delivery near the end when the mama bird is teaching the baby birds to fly and mickey just looks at the camera and he goes i don't like where this is going something about that delivery slays me every single time i swear to god this was so looney tunes Mm -hmm. you know and 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 not to keep repeating that but it just that's what a lot of this felt like like they looked over what you know the the grand tradition of looney tunes cartoons and said well that's what the people want so that's what we got to do here we got to find a way to you know jam looney tunes-esque humor into our idyllic uh picture perfect world of what a disney cartoon used to be and reconcile the two of them somehow and amazingly as an elevator pitch like that seems awful but it works and i laughed you know i i i it's like i said I, when I think back to old Mickey Mouse cartoons, this does it didn't feel like a Mickey Mouse cartoon. It felt like a Looney Tunes, but it but I'm not gonna get hung up on that. It was still funny, and that's I guess that's all that matters. Absolutely, God forgive me in my betrayal of Looney Tunes, but these shorts I think are actually ten times funnier than the new Looney Tunes shorts that we've been reviewing on HBO Max. A hundred percent. All right, Bell Boys, Bell Boys, Mickey, Donald, and Goofy seek to revive a rundown hotel's future. Uh, this is kind of like when they visited um, the uh, Professor Von Drake's house. It was yeah. that kind of humor. Um, nothing goes right. Everything, everything just falls apart left and right. They nearly destroyed this hotel in the process of trying to save it. And somehow or other, it all worked out in the end. I, I laughed. I cried. I hurled. It was funny. Uh, I don't have much more to add to that. The, the slapstick in this is really great. I love mm-hmm. the way they work with the characters. Please stop biting my arm, Cleo. <laughs> um, you know, that I love that Donald is trying to get gratuity for lifting the bags. And of course, of course, he gets the strong man's bag and he can't lift it up the <laughs> stairs. The jokes with all they have in the kitchen is bread and Goofy is making a massive thing. I mean, credit to the artist, the uh, mm-hmm. 
the the bread appetite, as we'll call it, <laughs> where, <laughs> where you, you see everything that he's made out of bread. I mean, he's got right. a freaking like turkey made out of bread. Right. And you can see the croissants for the wings and everything. It's like okay, points. It's actually very creatively designed, and I really like that. Yeah, now that you're now you're reminding me of some of what the actual bits were. Goofy and the bread was really funny because like people are ordering room service, and it's like all we got is bread, but I got this. Like, it's so funny. Like, I've never, I've never. If, if you do the, the game where you have to, you know, someone says something and then you have to come up with words, confident would not have been what I would have thought of for Goofy. But Goofy has it like 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 almost like a sexy confidence here. Like like I've got this. Don't worry about it. Like he doesn't come across as he's an incompetent boob as he has, you know, the history. Well, he he does what he has to make more bread and he oh, suddenly sure. and then it's like one tablespoon and it's literally a table that is a <laughs> spoon. Right. Um but yeah, but going into it like he's just like yeah, calm down. I got this. Like like Mickey's like Mickey and goofy like traded places for a moment it's, it's funny to me but yeah the bread i thought the bread thing was funny mm-hmm. um all right not to mention it was just also really hilarious to see element because it's a circus that's staying at the hotel and it's mm-hmm. really funny to see the elements of the circus suddenly being thrust into there you know make they're like we need our beds to be extra bouncy because they're trapeze artists mm-hmm. we need like all these towels for our room because they're doing a water act you know <laughs> Again, I just thought it's very creative. This this was a very creative one, and it's Mm. got brilliant slapstick. And I lose it every single time Donald starts falling through the multiple (laughs) floors after carrying the strong man's suitcase all the way. I laughed at that. I was uh, it was actually reminding me of a uh, of a meme that I've seen. Uh, Are you familiar with the band Romstein, specifically the song Do (laughs) Hot? It played like crazy when I was in high school. Yep. Okay. And of course, you've seen the Aristocats. Of course. All right. So, you know, um, when they're doing Everybody Wants to Be a Cat and they're falling through every floor of the house. <laughs> have you seen the meme where somebody set that to do host? I have not. <laughs> I'll have to find it and send it to you. <laughs> somebody put it on TikTok last night. And uh, I, every time I see it, I laugh. Hysteric. I laugh like an idiot every single time. Um, there's just a picture and the cats are all jamming out they're just going through every line of the floor so good oh my um, god I heart Mickey and don't we all when, Mickey, when Minnie misplaces Mickey's gift of love she must defeat a lover's lane to retrieve it this was bizarre man so Minnie, Mickey blows Minnie a kiss and it, and it takes the form of a, of a physical heart and she like misses it and then it's a chase to get this, but not, but well, it was very like Three's Company again, a very dated reference, but it's the one I go to where she has to hide the fact that she's chasing that she's fucked up and lost this heart so Mickey doesn't get sad about it while trying to chase after the thing. And the heart is elusive. And I think at one point it like lands on a mailbox or a toaster that then falls in love with Mickey or something. Yeah, every time the heart touches an inanimate object, that inanimate object suddenly falls in love <laughs> with Mickey. Uh, I'd also like to add minor thing, but I love the inclusion of the Dapper Dans. Uh, mm-hmm. That is the barbershop quartet that performs at the Disney parks. And I did get to see one performance by them while I was out there. You know, you have to see the Dapper Dance perform at least once. They're always amazing and fun to see. 
<laughs> and just that and the Mickey suddenly loving massages was kind of funny. <laughs> it's like, it's a barbershop quartet and they're giving out free massages. <laughs> it was so cute. Now, this was a very good chore. I, again, very nice little you know, establishing between Mickey and Minnie's character that Minnie is so terrified Mickey's going to be upset with her. And Mickey, he's not, you know, he's just like that. He's like, it doesn't matter what those, you know, inanimate objects think. My heart belongs to you. And mm -hmm. I forgive you for, you know, this little incident. And then you get the one where the freaking Iron Maiden has got the heart. And I'm just looking, it's like, I didn't even notice the first time I saw that there is a um, museum exhibit of items of torture or something. Because at first I thought that came from the furniture shop <laughs> with everything else. I'm like, who the hell puts an Iron Maiden in a furniture shop? <laughs> yeah, this, was, this was like a little trippy, a little acidy, but you know, still it was a lot of fun. I laughed. I laughed pretty hard at this. Mm -hmm. Also, Minnie has always been presented, and we've talked about this before, but Minnie, and I, and I think about, and again, you have to forgive me for my frame of reference. You know, I had young kids at the time where, um, where Disney Junior was real hot. And there was a lot of, and, and their content was expanding left and right. And so there used to just be the, the Mickey Mouse, uh, the, the Mickey Mouse Club. Well, you know, hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. And then that spun off Mickey's, Mickey's boutique where all she sells is bows, you know, it's her and Daisy running a shop and she's got her nieces and we've talked about that before. Mm -hmm. um, but consistently, whether we're talking about the uh, cartoon shorts uh, of yesterday or even how she's presented on Disney Junior, Minnie is always very prim and proper. Minnie is not stupid. Minnie is not an agent of chaos in any way. She is uh, almost a, a symbol for like conservatism and like, you know, this is this is appropriate women behavior. And she's nuts in, in this episode. She's a fucking lunatic. I got to say also, it's really refreshing. Um, we mentioned this uh, in mm -hmm. the prior review of the first shorts. Um, this is the first uh, project for Caitlin uh, Robrock, who took mm -hmm. over the role of Minnie Mouse after Terry Russell uh, passed mm -hmm. um, in, oh God, I can't even remember. I think it was like, 2018 2019 but she had done the voice of many for oh my god almost 20 years mm -hmm. and when it was such a big deal for um rob rock to take over because you know it's like this is a really important job the official voice of Minnie mouse and she did such a good job and i think the show was actually the highlight of her voice acting i love the way she just kind of gets all flabbergasted in the swords like i lost your heart then you got to so massages and an ice cream and it's just the way she's freaking out it's really yeah, cute it is strangely refreshing i guess would be the phrase that i would use to see Minnie presented because she's only been one way for so many years mm -hmm. so um i like you know i like a counterpart to sort of mickey's lunacy is to have you know, many being that way as well, given the right set of circumstances. It was interesting. Um, you know, kind of daring the show. Again, they are they are messing with uh, age-old presentations of these legacy characters, and and it's working out. You know, I can't I can't fault them for it. But I can. Let me ask you a question. You're you you mess about with um, other people who are like deeply into cartoons. What's the have people been reacting to this? Have people been talking about it? Or people reacting negatively, more to the point? 
Um, mostly online. The recent reaction was when I posted that we were skipping the Jellystone review because we both agreed there just wasn't enough to talk about for even a half an hour. Other than just saying, not funny, doesn't work, moving on. My son liked it. That would have been me the entire 30 minutes. Mine would have been making Jabberjaw a woman and cutting in the voice of Curly erases the character of Jabberjaw. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I post, I actually posted on the cartoon research board that it was like, we, it's like, and we're skipping this review. And the comments that came out of the woodwork, including someone who just went, used it as an excuse to attack the people on the board like this it's like you people are too negative you have to insult everything and i'm like no <laughs> how dare you jellystone don't you understand is a representation of modern shut the fuck up it wasn't that great it's and, and you know and, and even hbo is sort of acknowledged we're just shoving shit out there for people to sign up for hbo max calm the fuck down yeah i basically just point out it's like look if you like the work of ch greenblatt uh did your kids ever watch a show on i think it was cartoon network called chowder no Okay, Sage Greenblatt did that. He's been a story editor, writer, animator on several shows before. The guy's got talent, but mm -hmm. this show, but yeah, Jellystone was very much so just a C.H. Greenblatt vehicle. And it's like, okay, you like his stuff, then you're going to love it if you actually are right. going in wanting an homage to classic Hanna Barbera, Barbera characters. You're not going to like it. No, no. And, and look, I don't want to. The question was how people are reacting to this, but just just to address this, and then we can move on. Mm -hmm. um, if if people if <sighs> Jellystone was one, like if you enjoyed Jellystone, that's fine. Certainly, my son did. My my daughter watched like one episode of it and was like, "This is killing brain cells. I'm out." Um, my but my you know it, it appealed to my son, and that you know that's what it was supposed to be. And if and if adults liked it too, I mean that's fine not everything gives you something to talk about. And and especially if you don't want to spend an hour just ripping something to shreds, um, which I know is very popular on the internet. But, you know, but not everyone wants to spend their time doing that. So, you know, that's why we, we skipped the Jellystone thing. But I do think it's funny that, you know, my question is, hey, Alexis, are people talking about Mickey Mouse? No, everyone's quietly enjoying it. No one's really got an opinion on it one way or the other. However, Jellystone spiking all kinds of debates. Yeah, no, from what I've seen, everyone seems to be really enjoying these. Mm -hmm. um, there's been announcements when uh, the new shorts came out and there's been a couple of reviews and everyone said these are a lot of fun. Okay. And I think that actually says something that this is one of the times when something is posted and there's not a ton of controversy about there's destroying Mickey Mouse. When the mm. new Bugs Bunny cartoons came out, there was a lot of controversy about that. With a lot, I, I think I mentioned this before that um, mm. you know a lot of the gross out humor and the designs that seem very um, Bob Clampett, uh, John K style. There was even a lot of controversy with that amongst the uh, animation historians. Because I remember commenting, it's like, the stuff looks like it was designed by John Kay. And they're like, oh, so because it's more slapsticky and loose, it has to be designed by the guy who made Ren and Stimpy. I'm like, no, it, it literally looks like it was designed by John Kay, okay? I'm not using this as an insult. I am actually drawing a comparison to uh, the yes. art styles. Facebook groups are fun. TikTok is fun. You know, that you should absolutely put yourself out there for people to comment on. Anyway, <laughs> I hate social media sometimes. For those of you just listening to the traditional podcast medium, I totally rolled my eyes about that. Moving on. 
Uh, untold treasures. Crewmate Mickey and Minnie seek to find a buried treasure before Pegleg Pete uses to become the most powerful pirate on the Seven Seas. This episode uh, uh, features an appearance by the Pirate Skull from Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, I don't totally remember this one. I know this was one where Pegleg Pete is the captain of the pirate ship, and yeah, he's Hookleg Pete. Okay, technically, and this one again the. This was a fun little homage to a lot of Pirates of the Caribbean, a lot actually to uh, Peter Pan. The design mm. of the island uh, that they sail to is obviously Neverland. Mm-hmm. And it, this one's also kind of interesting because Mickey and Minnie do, are now playing different characters, so to speak. They're now crewmates on Pete's ship. They're, they don't really know each other and mm-hmm. they don't trust each other because they steal the map because uh, Hook Lake Pete says he's going to keep all the treasure for himself and they both separately come to the idea of if I had the treasure, I'd share it with the crew. And it isn't until like two-thirds of the way through the short they realize, oh, we're on the same page. They mm-hmm. assume the other one's just being greedy. So yeah. this is done a little differently, but it's still pretty fun. You know, again, I like all the homages to the uh, to the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. You know, I'm I'm always impressed when they can do homages and it suddenly doesn't turn into, oh, and look, there's Johnny Depp. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Um, so this is a comment I'm going to make again at the end of uh, this discussion with regards to uh, use of other characters. But I'll focus specifically on Pete here. Pete is a great foil for Mickey. He makes a great villain. Not enough Pete in this series of 10 shorts. We need more Pete. Very true. Um, we talked on in the previous shorts with the, um, I can't remember what the name title of the episode is, but it's the Medieval Knights one. Yeah, yeah. For Mortimer. And we talked about how they brought in Mortimer Mouse, who was also a great foil for Mickey, how Pete wouldn't have worked in that. Mm-hmm. And... Pete is a great character. He's a lot of fun. And Lord knows Jim Cummings, one of the voiceover gods currently mm-hmm. working nowadays, uh, you know, does his voice terrifically. I would like to see more of the foils, and I would love to see more of Pete. Uh, we see a ton of him in the uh, the earlier Mickey shorts that came out both online and are st- available right now on Disney+. Plus. There's a really good one where uh mortimer starts bullying uh mickey Mm -hmm. and pete shows up and he's like i saw what he did to you that's my job (laughs) and it basically comes into um like like a like a boyfriend girlfriend kind of thing Mm -hmm. you know where where mickey suddenly real is dealing with mortimer being the worst and he wants pete to still feel like he's the bully but pete's like I saw you with him. I saw what he did to you. Do you think he's a worse bully than me? It's so, so funny. So, yes. Um, again, these are these are very good shorts, but I would like to see uh, if we brought in a little, some more Pete on a couple of them. Oh, no. Somebody wants to give Jim Cummings more work. Heaven forbid. Like yeah. I said, the guy is one of the, I would say, top three greatest current working uh voice actors i need less of mickey interacting in a world that's betraying him and more mickey just trying to be a good dude and people are uh hurdles in that path so i need more pete i need more mortimer i I need more i need more donald duck we need more we mean we need more adversaries yeah and i and i you know bugs and daffy have and and mickey and donald 
<clears throat> have both had interesting relationships. Bugs and Daffy are adversaries. Bugs and Daffy are friends. Bugs and Daffy, Bugs and Daffy are um, friends that become adversaries. You know, Daffy trying to shove Bugs in harm's way to protect himself, that sort of thing. Uh, Mickey and Donald, not necessarily... Donald always, and this comes up later in a different short, but I'm going to bring it up now. Um, Donald has always been very jealous of Mickey. And I, and I don't know, like, can't we play more with that? Can't we have more situations where Donald becomes sort of a um, adversary to Mickey because there's because Mickey is getting preferential treatment for something because he's Mickey Mouse, you know, and Donald's yeah. messing with him to try to to try to get that love, that attention. Again, there was another short uh, with the earlier Mickey shorts called New mm. Shoes, where something happens and Goofy, Donald, and Mickey all switch bodies. Right. And Donald is in Mickey's body and he's like, Yes, I can't. I'm going to get all this love and attention and gifts. And for a while, it's amazing because, like, Mickey has the world on a string. Mm -hmm. There's a scene where Mickey, Donald, as Mickey goes into a restaurant, and he is given a pr this prime seat and all this food. And the waiter's like, and remember, everything is on the house because you are Mickey Mouse. <laughs> but even then, after a while, all the adoration, all the love, it really starts to get on Donald's uh, nerves. There, there's a reason like, why Donald Duck is my spirit animal. Yeah, and even he's just like, I don't want all this attention. Oh, my God. You know, he gets swarmed by Minnie, who's just smothering her boyfriend with kisses. Like, it's our 10-minute anniversary. Kiss me. And Donald's just like, I can't handle this. I uh, I, I definitely empathize with Donald. I was thinking, you know, we um, not, not to get too far off topic, but we had a conversation yesterday about sort of the, the nature and breadth of podcasting and specifically podcasting. And, um, and I was relating it back to... You know, your, the, success, the success of your podcast, would more people listen if it were shorter or longer, et cetera, et cetera. And off, out of that conversation, just sort of thinking about this myself, I was like, gosh, if this ever becomes so popular that people are wanting to interact with me all the time, because like I said, I put up a, a I, I reposted a tweet in several different places and I don't get a lot of interaction for anything I do. You know, people listen to the podcast, people pay attention to this or that, but I don't get like hundreds of thousands of comments and, you know, and responses. I get the occasional you're an asshole, but I mean, you know, but I'm Mark Rattledge and I understand this. This is the way of the world. Are you, I would say, are you sure that's not just the network chat with us calling you an asshole? I'm only talking about strangers. Um, <laughs> the, the people who know me who call me an asshole, oh gosh, if I paid attention to that, I'd never get anything done. Um, it's like, need I remind you of the reactions when I posted that picture that it looked like I was punching your lights out in Orlando? So, um, the point that I was getting to was, uh, you know, I got all of this interaction on this on this thing that I posted. People are so people are still leaving fucking comments on this thing. Like, I woke up this morning to have a whole bunch more, and I'm like, this is a canary in the coal mine because, like Donald. I keep saying I want more interaction and I want more people listening and paying attention to me. And then when it happens, I'm like, oh, God, leave me alone. <laughs> I was happy before when no one was paying attention to me. For the record, I just had a thought. That whole podcast should only be 22 minutes. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's possible they meant that if you're running a podcast by yourself? Um, since <laughs> So real quick. People like, are they going to go back to Mickey Mouse? I swear we're going to go back. I promise. But um, this is why we can't have 22 minute podcasts because we go off on tangents. So, so I, so in one of the, one of the comments that I got on that was, can you please sh reshare the tweet? And I did. 
Um, I sent it to you. I sent it to that guy. I sent it to anyone that asked. I was not keeping secrets. Unbeknownst to me, and I found this out later, he went on Twitter and tore that account up and was like, don't put out false information, blah, blah, yakety schmackety. And the, and, the, and the person running that account, and it seems to be for some sort of editing service, um, was like, we're sorry, we fucked up and deleted the entire thread. Oh, my God. They, re they reposted something akin to it, but nothing so definitive as, like, yeah, that 22 minutes is the optimal length of a podcast thing is now gone from the internet outside of, you know, me repeating it. Um, but yeah, that <laughs> I people were like, where are your facts? It was like the COVID debate. I want statistics on this. And I'm like, yikes, man. <laughs> I, I repeat stuff and kind of share things all the time and nothing got that kind of attention. And it was like, how dare you tell me how long a podcast should be up yours? Uh, you know, like, Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. And it just sort of hit me. It was like, well, if you're talking by yourself, I guess right. it makes sense that it would only be 22 that's, minutes. That's what you were getting at. I apologize. Yeah. I went off no, it, it's but okay. Yes, that, that's what I was getting to. Um, some people did point out that if you're doing a solo thing, 22 minutes is about right. If you're having a conversation with somebody, it's nearly impossible. I mean, we're yeah. talking about 10 little cartoons. We're at 45 minutes here. So um yeah I, I and and the consensus seemed to be about an hour to two hours is probably for a conversation of any merit mm -hmm. is both what makes it um what what makes it enjoyable for people to do and what makes it enjoyable for people to listen to anyway moving on um now we, yeah let's move on to disappearing act this short is gets a little surreal and i think it is very obviously homaging some of the later animated shorts when during the uh 40s and 50s this might have been my favorite one this, oh, I, yeah. I thought this was hilarious oh it's gorgeous but i think like i said i think it's homaging some of the shorts from the later 50s early 60s where you started mm -hmm. to see animators taking on a little bit more experimental style and we got a little bit more surreal a little more colorful a little more abstract personally they're some of my favorite shorts we get some amazing animation here i love the little montage with mickey trying to bring minnie back after he accidentally makes her disappear and just the way that they made it look with the rings and the bubbles and the animals that look like minnie not so much we get one of my absolute favorite jokes um, you know, Mickey goes to see a, a, a musician, a magician called the great Houdini, who of course has a gift shop open. And it's like, it's like, I have everything for the starter magician, 20 bucks. Like, <laughs> I guess what tickets may, uh, you know, pay the bills, but the gift shop is what puts the bread on the table. And I love it at the end when he finally goes up to it. It's like, your magic wand worked. I made it disappear. And he's like, the magic, he's like, I'm an illusionist. I'm not magic. I'm not using real magic. That wand is a buck 50 of paint and wood. It's a buck 50. You made me pay 20 bucks. There's the illusion. <laughs> and, I, awesome. and I laughed hard at that. Yeah. So this whole thing is Mickey does magic and he makes Minnie disappear. And now it's, you know, now he's trying to make her reappear, which I, which I believe is the framework for a bunch of different cartoons hither and thither. Oh, again, this has been done before a million mm -hmm. times, but it's done in such a fresh, unique way. Yeah. Not this to mention so laden with references. I'm just kind of reading off here. Um, uh, Minnie at one point is transformed into a rabbit similar to Fanny from Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. 
the fairy godmother from Cinderella, Jiminy Cricket and the Blue Fairy from Pinocchio, Flora Fauna and Meriwether from Sleeping Beauty and Merlin from The Sword in the Stone all make cameo appearance, appearances. Um, I know we've talked about this, but it bears repeating. I love the fact they're playing with the wider Disney universe. I love the fact that like we own, we have this Disney universe of film and, and, and animation. We have Marvel. We have DC. Um, let's throw it all in there. And hey, before um, before we continue, just because I've been neglectful and haven't done this yet, I just want to remind people that Grammarly is one of our great sponsors here. And uh, I'll tell you, they didn't need Grammarly to write these great shorts because uh, these are pretty pretty perfect. Um, but Grammarly, in case you're writing something and it needs to be, be better, Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar punctuation and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. Okay, you've been patiently waiting for me to do all that so you can respond. Respond. I'm, what was the question? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I let... It's like, I, I don't think you asked me a question or anything before you suddenly went into our uh, ad revenue there. Just keep up. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> um, I was talking about the, the, the greater use of the wider world of Mickey Mouse and all of it, uh, Walt Disney and all of its IP and how they incorporated it all into these cartoons. I thought you said whiter at first and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, sorry. No, uh, I agree. I love little Easter eggs, homages, cameo appearances. I don't even yeah. know if you noticed uh, the the twenty dollar bill that he gives Houdini has Happy the Dwarf on it. That's a, uh, I'm sure I recognized it when I saw it, but I, I now you've reminded me of it. I didn't remember mm -hmm. it. Yeah, no, this was a very funny short, very cute, very mm -hmm. sweet. It's like you all, it's like, just believe in yourself. The magic is in you. Again, been done a million times. But even just the little bits with the Houdini performing the tricks in the first place, it's like, is this your card? No, that's my wife. Wife takes off her head and she's got a card. It's like, and it's my car. <laughs> yeah, this is fun. Yeah. All right. Um, This next one is... If it's not my favorite, it's up there. It's one of the best ones, I think. And, oh, and, this was great. And, and again, this was another one where, like, who else can we put in these cartoons to mess with Mickey? Oh, that's right. We own a whole bunch of sh characters. Let's start using them. So this is Once Upon an Apple, and the whole thing is the Wicked Witch from Snow White is trying to be the fairest in the land, and uh, I think the mirror tells him this time it's Mickey, and so he's trying to, she's trying to take out Mickey with the apple, and and just dies every time. <laughs> and this was hilarious to me. Like I was, I was crying, laughing at this every time he took out the witch accidentally, choiced by her own petard. I died laughing. It was so funny. This was so hilarious. The slapstick was great. Mm -hmm. Again, I watched this one with my husband last night, and he every time the witch got an apple in the face, he couldn't <laughs> stop laughing. He didn't really get the ending. The mm -hmm. whole it's like, how is she now the fairest of them all? I'm just like, just don't don't ask, don't question it. <laughs> I love the magic mirror just getting so annoying. It's like, like the fairest is Mickey Mouse. The, the, the witch freaking punches and breaks the mirror. <laughs> Oh my god, um, yeah, this was so funny. And of course, we got Tress McNeil, who 
uh, also does the voice of Daisy Duck for these shorts. But, uh, you know, I mentioned Jim Cummings being one of the top three greatest voice actors currently working. She's in that top three as well. If And she is easily the greatest female voice actor currently working. Correct Probably if I'm wrong, and I'm sure you will, but isn't Tress McNeil also Dot from the Animaniacs? And Babs Bunny from uh, Tiny Toons. I and- got it. I got it. And uh, she was mom in Futurama in addition to um, several other voices. Mm-hmm. Tress McNeil is, she is second only to June Foray when it comes to female voice actors. She is amazing and she can do anything. And I, when I heard her, when I first heard the witch speak, I'm like, oh, we got Tress McNeil. Yay. <laughs> and she just does this angry, bitter witch so well. And I love it. Um, yeah, this was a great use of a, of a legacy character. Um, I, I really enjoyed the shit out of this. This was great. Also, uh, there's a note here. Mr. Toad from The Wind in the Willows and um, Cinderella, the Cheshire Cat and, uh, from Alice in Wonderland all make uh, char- the title character from Cinderella. I should read that again. And the Cheshire Cat from Alice in Wonderland all make car- cameo appearances. I was, um, you know, look, I'll be the first one to to champion Walt Disney World and land for refurbishing their rides to make them more modern, to take advantage of IP. And I am certainly sympathetic to the idea that stuff that has not aged well, Song of the South, things of that, you know, that nature, uh, probably don't need modern rides. You know, you were, you're, you're look, the, the idea is to sell tickets to the park and get people to spend money. I get it. So if we have to tear down uh, Br'er Rabbit's log flume ride, and you know, and make it the Princess and the Frog. I'm not one of these people that you know. I what, what is what is it that Bailey calls himself a nostalgia cop? Yeah, I'm, like a, hey, I'm okay with. Let, let me put it this way: while mm-hmm. I am a little annoyed that Disney is trying so hard to erase Song of the South from everyone's mind, but that is a conversation for another podcast because we do not have time for that. No, I am. Let me put it this way. I am fine with them repurposing splash mound to make a princess and the bride or princess and the frog related just for the love of God, get it to work. That ride broke down every day. I was at Disney world. It's one of the only four rides I did not get to go on because every time I headed over to splash mountain, are they done with it now? Is oh no, it's still under it's still under construction, but the ride oh, okay. is still going. You okay, could just so- see you could just see the um, scaffolding on the okay. side of the mound where they're moving. So it's, still, it's still technically the uh, Brer Rabbit. Yeah, and there's still a lot of Brer Rabbit stuff all over it, but that ride breaks down every day because it's, it's water, electricity, and mm. thousands of people who have decided that they're going to have their official family photo with them coming down the mountain. Gotcha. The point that I was getting to was that um, they turned Mr. Toad's Wild Ride into, I think, Winnie the Pooh. They did. Oh my God! I saw. I never rode Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. I did. I went on the Winnie the Pooh ride because I was with mm-hmm. my cousin that day, and Winnie, the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. It's hilarious. My cousin is over forty years old. He's got three little boys. The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh is his all-time favorite uh, mm-hmm. Disney movie, and he insisted we all wait in line to ride, and I'm like, isn't this something the kids usually should say? But it's very cute. Mm-hmm. But I remember seeing a video of the Mr. Toad's Wild Ride uh, ride at Disney World where he's basically sentenced to death and goes to hell, and I'm like, 
where did this come from? <laughs> right. I have seen the Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, uh, well, not movie. It's mm-hmm. Mr. T- Ichabod and Mr. Toad or whatever. I've seen that thing a right. million times. Like, how did we get here? I was a huge fan. Growing up, I was, this is the point I was getting to. Growing up, I was a huge fan of the Wind in the Willows and, you know, um, and Ichabod and all that. And I used to love Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. And I used to love the Mr. Toad character. First of all, that's another spirit animal of mine. Just like, you know, just, just wanting to get in the car and get all fast and the furious with it. You know, and, you know, him and the horse. And I can't remember the other character that's like, Mr. Toad, maybe not. No, no. Maybe have some self-control. No, no. Um, I love that. I, I, I enjoy that character. But that has no contemporary meaning. I mean, unless you show your kids that sort of stuff. And it's like, oh, a hundred-year-old cartoon. Fabulous. You know, there is no contemporary link to modern children that would make that ride relevant. And so I, and while Winnie the Pooh still has modern cultural relevance. So I get why they turned Mr. Toad into Winnie the Pooh. Rounding this back to the Mickey Mouse shorts, I was so happy to see Mr. Toad. And I know that there were probably people watching this going, I don't even know who that is. But for someone like me, that was a moment. I had I had one of those like, you know, <laughs> fanboy moments where I was like, yay, Mr. Toad. And it's just like a really short, stupid thing, but I was so happy it was there. I I, I, I was appreciative of the animators for throwing a longtime legacy character like that in there uh, for uh, for me, just me. For the record, parents, if you have no idea what we're talking about, definitely read Win in the Win in the Willows to your children. Classic story. Every kid should grow up hearing it. All right, and then finally, game night. This is it. This is Donald's big appearance. <laughs> this is what I like to call somebody at Disney really likes Mario Party, but this is actually probably my favorite short out of all of these. So uh, Mickey's friends are placed in jeopardy after he attempts to spice up a weekly their, their weekly game night. This kind of reminded me of the Big Bang Theory where Raj... You know, where they're like, oh, no, it's another one of Raj's game nights. And it's like, oh, it's a murder mystery. And they're like, damn you, Raj. Um, I don't know how much Big Bang Theory you watch, but. Uh, um, on and off. It, okay. It's kind of a double-edged sword because while I did find it funny, uh, majority of geeks, especially Comic-Con geeks, really hate yep. Big Bang Theory because they feel that it was detrimental. Whereas <laughs> me as a Comic-Con vendor says, yes, but it also introduced a lot of aspects of geekdom to a wider audience. And so, through that, I think I got a lot more customers that way. So so I will, not name, I will not name names because I do not want to hurt feelings, but I will tell you that there was a conversation that took place where uh, me and another person um, were talking about the Big Bang Theory and, the Big, and he, w- he was complaining that the Big Bang Theory is, you know, something to the effect of nerd blackface and he doesn't like it and he feels like it's insulting. I'm pretty sure uh, I know who... Let's move on. Um, so um, he did not use the term nerd blackface. That came from a different friend, but um, but it's the kind of my go-to term now. So he, among a, a sea of, of men, mostly, uh, were just angry at the show for its existence and its perceived slight against nerd culture, which then made me do an entire podcast with my wife defending it and lambasting all those people, including him. <laughs> I'm not petty at all. No, 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 no. Like I said, I can't hate on Big Bang Theory. Do you have any idea how many people would come up to my or came to Comic Cons and then started buying my stuff because they were introduced to nerd culture through it? Sure. Like, I, look, I did a whole. My, my wife and I, who loved the show and saw it to the very end, defended it. Yeah, uh, d- d- defended the show, defended its existence, and 
defended the idea that it was a slam against nerd culture, which neither of us believe that it is. So listen, you, you won't find a more staunch defender of the show than me, other than CBS that it made billions for. In any case, game night uh, to finish this off was really funny. And I love the whole concept of this is it's like almost like a video game and they're going through like different like trials and things. And yeah, Mario Party. It really does feel like Mickey Mouse has suddenly jumped into Mario Party. I've never played Mario Party. My son, act, now that you mentioned it, my son made that point. He was like, oh my God, this is Mario Party, but Mickey Mouse. And I'm like, you're saying gibberish to me. Um, but uh, the thing I wanted to focus on, this will be the last point before we break for the evening, um, which I thought was great, was Mickey is dangling, is hanging off a cliff by one hand, and Donald has a chance to save him, but Donald can also win the game, and Donald never wins in anything. He's a born loser. And I thought that was such a brilliant point to pick up on by the writers that like Donald now has to have this internal moral struggle. Do I save my friend or do I win the game and, and win for once in my life? And he has this like grand, almost Samwise holding the ring delusion uh, of finally being a winner. It was just brilliant. I and then he ultimately, makes the, he ultimately makes the right decision and saves Mickey. I died so hard that, yeah, in his grand illusion, we see him as in uh, Steamboat Willie. He's now pilot. We see him suddenly and Fantasia, the Sorcerer's Apprentice, mm. and we get in the narration from Walt Disney that you see at various Disney parks. If you mm -hmm. go into to the museums where they talk about Disney's influences and his start, they always play this clip. It's like, I hope people never forget that it started with a mouse. <laughs> it's one of the most iconic lines from Walt Disney talking about his creations. And they actually play it, but then it all ends. And then you hear, buy a duck. <laughs> I, oh, my God. I lost it. I was crying from laughing so hard. I loved it. And I just love the end where Donald sacrifices himself so Mickey can win the game. It's like, it's me they want. And he is getting thrown around by pie. <laughs> oh, man. Again, this is so much fun. You know, uh, it's interesting because we never actually see them really playing the game except for their first mm -hmm. roles. Um, we just see the interactions and how things start to spiral out of control. Right. So this is a very interesting short experimental wise that there's not, there's not a lot of dialogue, yeah. you know, we, and the, the, and the progress again, it's all done through a montage, but it's really enjoyable. And there's so many clever ideas. I love all the different aspects of the game they're playing and you can identify. It's like, you see them playing part of it as shoots and ladders. You could see, uh, what was the name of that old fought? Oh, through the hole. Did you ever watch Through the Hole when it was on Fox? I knew of its existence, but I did not watch. Yeah, there's even a part where they're pl literally playing Through the Hole. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. Mm -hmm. So, again, I thought that was very, it was very, very creative. So, yeah, um, we'll keep doing these. Uh, as they, they pop more out, we'll talk about them. We're also planning to do Chippendale uh, Park Life, which I think is going to be interesting, because apparently it's, a, it's actually a French-made cartoon, um, and it's also all uh, non-dialogue. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to kind of sit down and watch that and talk about it. I haven't watched any of it yet. But I haven't either. We, but I think um, it'll be one of those where we'll have, I think, an interesting conversation of how successful that was. Um, we've got uh, the first season, the first 10 shorts already reviewed and sitting in the can for people to check out if they want to. And that's at uh, the W2M. 
Net site. Uh, we're on any podcatcher that you have uh, under W2M, wherever it is you found this. Uh, we'd love you if you subscribe, link, um, subscribe to the podcast so that you get all the new episodes. You don't have to listen to them all. If you don't care about soccer, then please delete soccer from the Max or to the Max from it. But you want to hear Alexis and I talk about cartoons, and they'll all be there for you. We did this. We did the Speed Copy Arrows. We've done Animaniacs. Uh, we've done Muppets Now. And we'll be doing Monsters at Work in the very near future and Doug Days, the aforementioned Chippendale Park Life. Um, we did the first season of Green Eggs and Ham. We'll be doing the second season coming up soon, second season of Animaniacs also coming up soon. So uh, if you enjoyed this and you want to hear us talk more about cartoons, but you're not interested in anything the fuck else that we do, that's fine. <laughs> Just subscri uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple, Spotify, uh, what have you, or on them all. And then, you know, take what you like, leave the rest. It's kind of like a buffet table. Um, let's have a Rattle Legend Broadcasting buffet. Um, in the meantime, Alexis, what kind of music, I actually, not what kind of music are you listening to? I want to know, because we do the Metal Hammer of Doom here on the uh, Rattle Legend Broadcasting Network. And we listen to, we just did D. Snyder, Buck Cherry. We've also done Fear Factory, Sepultura, all kinds of metal. What's the hardest thing you listen to? What's like the heaviest thing? Kind of hard to say because I don't really listen to a lot of heavy stuff. Okay. You know, and yeah, I know. I, mean, from, I, I know because I've asked you this question before and you've said, I don't know. And I'm like, hey, what do you listen to? And it's something I've never heard of. So I'm kidding. Sorry. I, what can I say? I don't need to feed Metal Hammer of Doom. It's the only podcast that gets more listens than my contributions to the animation community. Metal rules. All right. So what's the heaviest? So like Metallica, you ever listen to Metallica? Uh, I didn't really listen to a lot of Metallica. I, I hate to admit it. I remember being a kid and seeing the uh, Ride the Lightning poster, mm -hmm. cover album, sure. T-shirt multiple times. And it actually scared me when I was a kid. And I oh, stayed that, away. That's so funny because like, like, the, like the worst image of that era was the metal up your ass uh, T-shirt that everyone had with the knife coming out of the toilet bowl. I would have thought you'd have said that. Had you ever seen that before? No. Nice. <laughs> that probably got banned at my school. Probably. Probably. Well, um, whatever it is you're listening to, you can find it all on AmazonMusic.com. We have a link for you here in the description of the podcast. Get AmazonMusic.com slash W2M Network. That's GetAmazonMusic.com slash W2M Network for a free 30-day trial of the Amazon Unlimited uh, service. Go to our click the link. Go to this. Go to the sign up page. Uh, fill out the sign up process. You'll get a free thirty days on us. It helps us out. Helps you out because who doesn't love free music? And if you like it, you keep it at the end of the thirty days. And if you don't, you can cancel it. No fuss, no muss, no contracts, no pains in the ass. All right, Alexis, I'm done with plugs. Do your plugs. Okay, good for you. Honeysuckle <laughs> Rose Creations, the intersection of geek and cheek. We just wrapped up the Colorado Springs Comic Con. Had a lot of fun working that. It was our first time out there. We will definitely be returning. Right now, we are uh, getting things, well, not getting things ready. We have gotten things ready. We started our Labor Day sale uh, today. Both of our shops on Etsy and Handmade at Amazon, everything in both shops is 15% off, and that is going to go through all Labor Day weekend. So be sure to head over to that. And we are also getting ready for the Cincinnati Comic Expo. It's one of our favorite shows. We've done it multiple times. Can't wait to go back there. Uh, other than that, always uh, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for future updates and for future announcements for more sales. That's Honeysuckle Rose Creations, the intersection of geek and chic. 
Hey, I do want to plug two things that Alexis was on. Alexis hosts a trivia show right here on the Rattle Engine Broadcasting Network. That'll air this Saturday, depending on when you're listening to this. It might have already aired. Uh, this one was on Toys. It was myself, Evan Bevins, um, Cliff from Cliff, I think, from the Kapow Podcast, and Remington Hitchcock, which is the best name ever, from uh, Dueling Ogres. And we talked about Toys. It was hosted by the uh, verbose Jesse Starcher, who wrote like paragraphs for questions and, um, and used uh, trickery. He did. Yeah, I'm sorry, Jesse. From now on, I'm proofreading your questions. It's like essay questions. I felt like I was taking the AP exam. Oh, I was uh, just more upset about what happened with the Nerf gun question. <laughs> It'll all be in the gag reel. It'll be fine. And in any case, we had a fun. Um, every month or so, Alexis and Jesse host a trivia show. They've done science, science fiction, women, uh, females, women superheroes, WB animation. I was on that one along with my father, who knew none of the answers and defiantly said so. And now toys. Um, I'm not sure if they're doing one for September because they were supposed to do NFL trivia and that didn't happen. Uh, we do want to do one actually. In fact, I need to talk with you because Jesse and I are trying to figure out what topic to replace sports trivia with because if Jesse and I knew sports, we wouldn't be giant comic book nerds. So we are trying to figure out what correlates uh, to our release schedule here in September and what we can turn that into. So I, I have Mr. Ideas. Patriarch, I need your help. I am nothing if not an idea man. Um, and then uh, there'll be a horror trivia up in October. And then also, we did like five hours of content on Candyman. We did the traditional DMU Hollywood deep dive breakdown. That was myself and Robert Winfrey. We went about two and a half hours. Um, the money portion had a very interesting debate over whether or not Shang-Chi will resonate with people and make money versus the Eternals. Um, which, if you thought, which if you were in our, our group chat about the, the network, we've only been deb debating the Eternals now for a year. Anyway. For the record, saw Shang-Chi uh, last night on premiere night. Yeah. We'll be discussing it in our upcoming review, I'm assuming, on Tuesday. Tuesday. Yes. And, but a but little sneak peek, I loved it. Can't wait to hear your thoughts about it further. In any case, um, we did about, like I said, we did two shows. The traditional deep dive breakdown uh, for Candyman that went two and a half hours. Got a lot of sociopolitical stuff to discuss about the movie, and that's why we broke it into two parts. And then a more traditional craft review, straight craft review, roundtable style with Alexis, Jason Teasley, Dorian Price, who works in film, um, the aforementioned Alexis Haina. And um, it was moderated by Robert Winfrey, who, if you enjoyed his Everyone Loves a Bad Guy series, this was kind of like that, but better. He did an excellent job, and everybody did a great job of keeping the conversation moving and had very interesting things to say about the film craft. So um, that's if you're interested in Candyman stuff, there's five hours of audio for you to listen to. Have a good time. For the record, Mr. Dorian Price, who is a Kansas City-based filmmaker, uh, this was our first time, or his first time joining us. Uh, he's so terrified about how his audio sounded because he was, he was trying something new with Bluetooth, but he does want to come back for future horror uh, discussions. So, because oh. horror films are his uh, his wheelhouse, he's already guaranteed himself a spot as in our uh, trip to trivia October month. And I told him that next review that we do that is a horror movie or something like that, yes, he can come and join us again. All right, but with that, that's all of our plugs. Thank you for listening to our discussion of the wonderful world of Mickey Mouse season one part two. For Alexis Hanna, I'm Mark Radlich. Be well, be safe, and behave. <laughs>